Hi, welcome back to Idgits and Ass Butts. My name's Rochelle. And I'm Lynn. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 15, called Time is on My Side. We're in Erie, Pennsylvania. Two guys are leaving a building. One guy asks the other one up for a drink. The other one says, no, I can't. I gotta be up at the crack of dawn. Duty calls. The first guy says, boob job? The other guy says, I wish. (laughs) Nah, some crabby old broad wants the works. I need a forklift to get it all back up. The first guy says, all that work to have, what, 15 minutes off their faces? The other guy says, staying young is a brutal business. They go their separate. They go to their separate cars, and we follow the second guy to his car. He puts a bag in his trunk, and we see someone is watching him from behind some bushes. Then whoever it is cr- uh, creeping up on him shoves him into the, his own trunk. Blah, 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 blah. Then whoever it is creeping up on him shoves him into his own trunk. The guy screams, help, let me out of here. We cut to some time later. Our guy, who got trunk snatched, <laughs> is walking barefoot into a hospital. He's got a robe on and is dripping blood on the floor. A nurse comes over and says, Sir, it's okay. Let me see what happened. Don't worry. There's nothing I haven't seen. Well. <laughs> he doesn't want to open his robe. He's holding it closed. The nurse finally opens it, and we hear some splatting sounds like his organs are hitting the floor. The nurse starts screaming. Yeah, the nurse starts screaming. I would too. No lie. Even if I was like a professional in that sort of situation, I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah, that would be so awful. That would be disturbing. We get our opening title sequence. I did notice that the actor with the organ splatting um, (laughs) is in another episode, maybe a couple episodes um, later with like the British men of whatever. <laughs> trying not to spoil. I mean, I don't that's think not really that's a spoiler. Spoiling, yeah. yeah, yeah, he is in at least two more episodes around that time. I don't. Re- he didn't look familiar at all, but also I wasn't really paying attention. I recognize him from the show Eureka, which is the only reason I even know that. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't seen that. Okay. Like, I kind of wonder <laughs> in the back of my mind: Do plastic surgeons really? They're like cosmetic surgeon, surgeons, I should yeah. say. Like, do they really, like, I'm going to need to get a forklift. I mean, I would imagine that after a while you just get desensitized to everything. Oh, and you're sure. just like, you know, it's just kind of like, <laughs> I wonder what they would think about, like, all these people. I mean, obviously it's paying them, you know, it's paying their bills. So, yeah. like, and they're doing it. So, it, they're they doing what totally the customer hate wants. It, you know? Right. They're just kind of like, huh. Yeah. I don't <laughs> how know. much do they judge when it's cosmetic stuff and not like yeah. necessary? You and know? how much do they judge just like regular people? Yeah. Like, you know? oh, I could improve that. Or I could, like, I mean, for me, like with what I do, I sit there and I'm like, somebody's walking funny or like one shoulder's higher than the other. I'm like, I could fix that. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, hmm. So I can imagine that they would probably it, do the they same must, thing. Yeah. They must. Yeah. So we cut to Sam and Dean. Uh, They've got a demon tied to a chair at a devil strap. Dean splashes some holy water on him, and he screams. Dean says, you ready to talk? The demon says, I don't know. I don't know anything. Dean says, oh, you hear that, Sam? He doesn't know anything. Sam says, yeah, I heard. The demon says, I'm telling the truth. Dean says, oh, you are. Then, my God, I owe you an apology. Allow me to make it up to you. Then Dean pours, pours holy water down the demon's throat. Dean says, I'm going to ask you one last time, who holds my contract? The demon looks up with black eyes and smiles. He says, your mother. Yeah, (laughs) she showed it to me right before I bent her over. Dean gets real close to the demon and says, I want a name or else. The demon says, or else what? Hmm? You're going to squirt your holy water in both ends? (laughs) Please. 
Brother, that's like a flea bite compared to what's coming to me if I tell you Jack. Do what you want. The only thing I'm scared of is the demon holding your ticket. Dean gives Sam a look, and Sam starts saying an exorcism. The demon looks like it hurts. Dean says, how's that feel? Does that feel good? The demon cracks his neck and says, go ahead, send me back to hell, because when you get there, I'll be waiting for you with a few pals who are dying for a nice little meet and greet with Dean Winchester. He's a wanted man. Yes, he is. (laughs) In and out of hell. Okay. Yeah, really. (laughs) Sam asks Dean, should I? Dean says, stick him someplace he can't hurt anyone else. So Sam continues with the exorcism, and Dean looks very upset. We cut to some time later. Sam is getting off his phone when Dean comes into the room. Uh, and I feel like they're squatting in a house because there's, like, old futons everywhere. And it doesn't it doesn't yeah. look like a motel room. Yeah, it seemed like it to me. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and I, it looks too dingy to be Bobby's house. So I just assume they're squatting. Like, yeah. I remember, like, spider webs and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Sam asks Dean, bury the body? Dean says, yeah, poor schmuck. Looks like the demons ride them hard just for kicks. What was that phone call about? Sam says, remember that thing in the paper yesterday? Dean says, stripper suffocates dude with thighs? (laughs) Different paper. (laughs) (laughs) Sam says, the other thing. Mm. Dean says, right, the guy that walks into the ER and kneels over dead. His stomach ripped out. Sam says, his liver, actually. Anyways, I just found out, uh, I just found out something pretty damn interesting. The dead body covered in bloody fingerprints. The dead body was covered in bloody fingerprints, not the victims. Dean says, okay, great. My man Dave Caruso will be stoked to hear it. Do you know who David Caruso is? Mm-mm. He is on, um, oh, crap. What's the name of that show? CSI. Okay. He's the Miami one. So he's the one, the redhead who. The orange-haired guy. Yeah, yeah, who always takes off his glasses and says a stupid one-liner, like, looked yeah. like he lost his head. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, but, I, I've seen, like, one or two episodes not even a whole episode, probably, just, mm-hmm. like, briefly. Like, I know what you're talking about, but I yeah. couldn't tell you anything I about watched a bunch of them. I, so there's the Las Vegas show, there's the Miami show, and there's that's what New David York Caruso won. Right? And New York, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I liked the New York one the best. Mm-hmm. Because every now and then they would do, like, an episode where, like, possibly the explanation is supernatural. Mm-hmm. And it never was, but I just yeah. liked that they went there sometimes. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah. So, and Gary Sinise is in it. I love that guy. I don't know. I mean, I he, know the name, but I don't know. He plays Lieutenant Dan on Forrest Gump. It's been so long since I've seen the guy who, who loses his legs in the war and, and is in a wheelchair. And no, Forrest Gump always says Lieutenant Dan. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's been so long. Yeah. I think I've seen it like once, and it was oh really like oh must have been a long time ago. Yeah, I at least probably fifteen years ago. Yeah. You know? No, I get it. I haven't seen it in that long either. I'm sure. Yeah. I can't even watch it now because it makes me cry so much. I was easier to deal with back in my younger years, though. Yeah. Just, like, cried in shame and quiet in (laughs) in my house. (laughs) All I remember is run, Forrest, run, and stop, Forrest, stop. Yeah. And that was it. (laughs) And a bus. I remember a bus and and there was, like, a lot of rain. I don't remember that, but okay. Maybe. I don't. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Well, Sam says, those fingerprints match a guy who died in 1981. Dean says, really? So what are we talking? Walking dead? Walking Killing Dead? <laughs> zombies do like the other, other white meat. Ew. <laughs> Speaking of, what do you care about zombies? Sam says, what do you mean? And Dean says, well, you've been on soul-saving detail for months now, and we're three weeks out, and all of a sudden, you're interested in some hot zombie action? Sam says, hey, man, you're the one who's been all gung-ho to hunt. I just thought I'd be doing you a favor. 
Dean says, hey, no, no, no. I didn't say I didn't want to do it. Okay, I mean, obviously, I want to hunt some zombies. Sam <laughs> says, okay, fine, whatever. So we cut to Sam and Dean dressed in suits. They're at the morgue talking with the medical examiner who says, yeah, the rest of the body was intact. The liver was the only organ missing. Dean says, now where... Now, where was the liver ripped out? No, no, no. Dean says, <laughs> now, where the liver was ripped out, did you happen to notice any teeth marks? The doctor asks, can I see your badges? <laughs> Sam says, of course, sure. They show him. And the doctor says, fine. So you're cops and morons. <laughs> Dean says, excuse me? No, we're very smart. <laughs> the doctor says, the liver was not ripped out. It was removed surgically by someone who knew their way around a scalpel. Didn't you read my report? Dean says, of course we did. Oh, it was riveting. It was a real page-turner. Just delightful. Such snark. (laughs) The doctor asks, you done? Dean says, I think so. The doctor says, please go away. (laughs) So they walk out. On the way, Sam says, so that kind of punches a hole in our zombie theory, huh? The scalpel thing? Dean says, yeah, zombies with skills. Dr. Quinn, medicine zombie. (laughs) Sam says, maybe we're on the wrong track, Dean. Looking for a hacked-up corpses. Dean says, what should we be looking for? Sam says, survivors. This isn't zombie lunch. This is organ theft. So You said Oregon. I did. Sorry. <laughs> this is organ theft. That's better. So we cut to Sam and Dean talking to a guy in a hospital bed. The dude says, I told the cops all of this yesterday. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Sam's like, it's just a couple of questions. The guy says, hey man, I just got my kidney stolen. I'm tired. <laughs> He's a real sweetheart. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but also, like, dude, come on. I know. (laughs) Dean says, well, we'll be out of here quick. Don't you want to catch the guy? The guy says, will it get me back my kidney? (laughs) Sam says, sir, what's the last thing you remember? The guy says, feeding my meter. Jumped from behind. And then I wake up strapped to a table. Then the worst pain you could possibly imagine. Only worse. And then I blacked out again. Thank God. Then I woke up screaming in some no-tell motel in a bathtub full of ice. Okay, that is, like, a fear of mine. <laughs> waking up in a bathtub full of ice. I gotta say... I don't know... Yeah, I haven't really thought about it much. That, I've strangely be, thought about it quite a bit. <laughs> I got... There was a chunk of time where... And I don't remember what it... Oh, I think it was... Gosh, it must have been... Oh, I think it was in my A&P class in high school, mm-hmm. and for some reason, the teacher was telling us about, like, you know, if you ever wake up in a bathtub full of ice, don't get out, you know, call for help, or whatever, yeah. you know, like, that sort of thing, but it was just like, <laughs> why would you tell us that? And then I thought about it oh, for yeah. a while, <laughs> right. and I was just like, Ugh. but that is I, upsetting. It was not something that, like, stuck around as, like, a... Thing, but I do remember it being a thing there mm-hmm. for a little while. My friend Cleo, um, she lives in Texas now, but when she lived here, we spent a lot of time talking about this because <laughs> because she would um, meet guys on Craigslist and mm-hmm. go out on dates and stuff. Yeah, and she had a lot of social anxiety too, so dates usually Craigslist though. So, oh. Yeah, dates usually meant going to someone's house or someone coming over to her house. And I was like, this makes me really nervous. Like, go to yeah. a so, restaurant or something. So you know? I would always call her and make sure things are okay in there. But mm-hmm. one of our running jokes was like, don't wake up in a bathtub full of ice. <laughs> if you do, call me. Yeah. You know? like, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so then he says, uh, okay, Dean asks, do you remember anything about the surgery? You know, what the guy looked like? Any details about the room? The guy says, let me think about that. Yeah, one thing is coming back to me. You know what I remember? Getting my kidney cut out of my body. <laughs> jeez. Jeez. Uh, so we cut to Sam doing some computer research while Dean eats a burger. <laughs> Sam says, so I got a theory. Yeah, I talked to Mr. Giggle's doctor. Turns out his incisions were sewn up with silk. Dean says, that's weird. Sam says, now, nowadays it is, but silk used to be the suture of choice back in the early 19th century. It was really problematic. Patients would get massive infections. The death rate was insane. Dean says, good times. <laughs> Sam says, right. So doctors, they had to do whatever they could to keep infections from spreading. One way was maggots. Dean says, dude, I'm eating. Sam says, it actually kind of worked because maggots, they eat bad tissue and they leave the good tissue. And get this, when they found our guy, his body cavity was stuffed full of maggots. <laughs> Dean repeats, dude, I'm eating. Which, I mean, that's not that bad. I could eat and talk about maggots. <laughs> God. I mean, I could do it, but also fucking gross. I wouldn't get queasy maggots. or anything. Mag- I'm surprised. What if a, the guy's body was full of spiders? Would that make you queasy? That would make me queasy. Yeah, see, maggots but not, Maggots make me feel the same way that spiders make me like, feel. Spiders would make me feel queasy. doesn't matter if I was eating or not, though. Right. So, like, that, you that know. I'm just saying, yes, I yeah. agree with you. But I feel the same way about maggots as I do oh, about spiders. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're gross. Yeah. Have you seen those bot fly things? Yes, I have. Like, I haven't seen one in real life, yeah, but no, I've no, seen no. videos of people, like, getting them pulled out of, like, their arm or their back or whatever. It's just nasty. Uh, uh, I don't like, feel good. Like, that's gotta hurt. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> She's pinching the bridge of her nose going... <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like it. Okay. Uh, Dean's repeats. Dude, I'm eating. All right. Let me get this straight. So people are getting ganked. A little antiques roadshow surgery, some organ <laughs> theft. But why does this all sound familiar? Sam says, because you heard about it before when you were a kid from dad. Sam opens up John's journal and says, Doc Benton, real life doctor, lived in New Hampshire, brilliant and obsessed with alchemy, especially how to live forever. So in 1816, Doc abandons his practice. Dean says, right, yeah, nobody hears from him for like 20 years. And all of a sudden, people start showing up dead. Sam says, dead, or missing an organ, or a hand, or some kind of part. Dean says, because whatever he was doing was actually working. He just kept on ticking. Parts would wear out. He'd replace them. But I thought Dad hunted him down and took his heart out. Sam says, yeah, I guess the doc must have plugged in a new one. Dean says, all right, where is he doing the deed? Sam says, according to this, Benton's picky about where he sets up his lab. He likes dense forest with access to a river or a stream or some kind of fresh water. Because that's where he likes to dump the bile and intestines and fecal matter. (laughs) Sam says, lost your appetite yet? Dean has an internal struggle. (laughs) And then to his burger, he says, oh, baby, I can't stay mad at you. And he takes another bite. So we cut to a man jogging on the waterfront. He stops and sits down to rest. He looks at his heart rate, wristband, and then someone behind him puts a rag over his nose and mouth. And we cut to the guy waking up strapped to a table. We see on his heart rate watch that his heart rate is speeding up. He looks around and sees bloodstains on the wall and a mason jar full of maggots. Blech. Also, is that like the early version of a Fitbit? Probably. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. So then Doc Benton is there. He looks like his face has been all sewn together. 
And I gotta say, I love this actor who plays Doc Benton. Yeah. They didn't they didn't alter his face at all except to put in those stitches. Yeah. That's like his real true face. He's yeah. um he's on uh, Briscoe County Junior, which is an old TV show um, with Bruce Campbell, the guy who from the Evil Dead. And yeah. Doc Benton, that actor, played um bad guy. Did I say his name? Billy Drago? Can't remember. I don't know. He recently died, like in the last month or two. Oh, huh. This actor, yeah, he was also on Charmed a couple times. I did watch all of that, but it was so long ago. Oh that yeah, I don't remember. He's just got it. such a distinct face, and I, I just loved him on Briscoe County Junior. He was like this, like comical villain. Yeah, it's such a hokey show. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he slices open the guy's chest, cuts his rib cage, and rips it apart, and takes out the guy's still beating heart. Once it's out. Excuse me. Once it's out, once it's out, the guy's heartbeat monitor shows zero beats per minute. <laughs> so if we cut to Sam and Dean looking at some maps. Sam says, "So these are all old hunting cabins. They've mostly been abandoned for years." Dean says, "What the hell are we waiting for?" Then Dean's phone rings. It's Bobby. So Dean answers it. Bobby says, "Hey, I think I finally got a beat on Bella, Rufus Turner." Dean says, is that like a Cleveland steamer? I'm sorry. Is that like a Cleveland steamer? <laughs> okay. So I have never heard of a Cleveland steamer and I didn't know what it was. So I looked it up. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> so I haven't heard this yet, folks, because she was like, I'm telling you on the podcast because I can't even like it. You know? <laughs> so this is this is what a Cleveland steamer is. So somebody's laying on the floor. Someone else squats above them and takes a dump on their chest. Ew! Then that person sits down on it and rocks back and forth. Ew! That is a Cleveland steamer. That's disgusting! (laughs) Ew! That's so nasty! Oh my god! I know vomiting everywhere. There's no way you can get that. Like bleach yourself. At first, I was bleach everything. I was like, okay, takes a dump on them. That's not. I mean, that's not something I've ever done. But although you hear about that kind of sexual play, that's fine. That's fine. But then sitting on it and rocking it around, (laughs) (laughs) squishing it in. Okay, like the only thing I can think of right now. Like with little kids, you know, like they poop in their diaper or whatever, yeah. and then they just like and sit, they sit there on it, or yeah. like moving around, and you don't realize it until like you get a whiff or whatever, and right. it's like, oh, like okay, that's that's a problem, you yeah. Know? Oh, and yeah. then you like, you know, and they're just like sitting there rocking around, or like you can see that they poop, and then they're just like moving around all that sort of stuff. You're like, stop, yeah, pushing it in. I totally know. It's Ew. like that, but with no diaper and on someone's <laughs> chest. That's so disgusting. <laughs> Uh, so anyway bobby says he's a hunter or used to be dean says and now bobby says hermit mostly does a little selling on the side anyway i put the word out on bella months ago he just called and said a woman got in touch wanted to buy some things dean says and he thinks it's bella bobby says british accent went by the name mina chandler dean says she's used that before well, that's kind of a sloppy move, isn't it? Getting in contact with one of your old friends. Bobby says, friend, haven't laid eyes on him in 15 years. He's not the Christmas card type. <laughs> I doubt she knows I know him. Canaan, Vermont. Dean says, thanks, Bobby. We're on our way. Bobby says, one other thing. Take a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. They hang up and Dean says to Sam, come on, we're going after Bella. Sam says, what? Whoa, hold on a second. Dean says, come on, get your stuff. The clock's ticking. 
Sam says, I think we should stay here and finish the case. Dean says, are you insane? Sam says, Dean, there's no way she still has the cult. That was months ago. She probably sold it the second she got it. Dean says, well, then I'll kill her. Win-win. <laughs> Sam, we're going. So she's dead. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> but Sam says, no. Dean says, why the hell not? Sam says, Dean, this here now, this is what's going to save you. Dean says, what, chasing some Frankenstein? Sam says, chasing immortality. Look, Benton, Benton can't die. We find out how he did it. We can do it to you. You have to die before you go to hell, right? So if you can never die. Dean says, wait a second. Did you know that this was Doc Benton from the jump? Sam says, no. Look, I was hoping. Dean interrupts and says, so the whole zombie thing, you were just lying to me? Sam says, I didn't want to say anything until I was sure, Dean. All I was trying to do is find an answer here. Dean says, no. All you're trying to do is chase Slicey McCacky here. <laughs> and to kill him, no, you want to buy him a freaking beer. You want to study him. Sam says, I was just trying to help. Dean says, well, you're not helping. You forget that if I welch on this deal, you die. Guess what? Living forever is welching. Sam says, fine. Then whatever the magic pill is, I'll take it too. Dean says, ah, what is this, Sid and Nancy? No, it's just like Bobby's been saying. We kill the demon that holds the contract, and this whole damn thing wipes clean. That's our best shot. Sam says, even if you had the cult, Dean, who are you going to shoot? We have no idea who holds the ticket. Dean says, well, I'll shoot the hellhounds then before they slash me up. Now, are you coming or not? Dean's just being a jerk. He is being a jerk. Come on, dude. Yeah. Sam says, I'm staying here. Dean says, no, you're not, because I'm not going to let you wander out into the woods alone to track some organ-stealing freak. Sam says, you're not going to let me? <laughs> Dean says, no, I'm not going to let you. Ooh, Sam MC says, fighting oh, words. <laughs> I know. Sam says, how are you going to stop me? Look, man, we're trying to do the same thing here. Dean says, I know, but I'm going. So if you want to stay, stay. Sammy, be careful. Sam says, you too. So Dean leaves. We cut to Kane in Vermont. Dean rings Rufus's doorbell. A security camera turns to look at him. And through the camera, Rufus says, what? Or through an intercom. Rufus says, what? <laughs> Dean says, hi, uh, Rufus. Rufus says, yeah, even if I am, the question is still the same. What? <laughs> Dean says, I'm Dean Winchester. I'm a friend of Bobby Singer's. Rufus says, so? Dean says, you called him this morning. Rufus says, so? Dean says, you told Bobby about a British chick who made contact with you. Rufus says, and so? Like, come on, dude, really? <laughs> Dean asks, do you know where she is? Rufus says, yeah. Dean says, great, could you tell me where I can find her? Rufus says, no. <laughs> Dean says, of course not. Look, Rufus, man. Then Rufus opens the door and says, look, let me point something out to you. You were knocking at my door, so don't look man me. I'm mm -hmm. not your man. Dean says, I'm sorry, sir. Rufus says, all right, I'm going to tell you a little story. See, once upon a time, Bobby called me, asked me to call him if I got a whiff of this Bella Talbot. I got a whiff. I called. The end. Dean says, okay, yeah. If you could just tell me where she is, I mean, that would be great. Rufus says, Dean Winchester, right? Dean, do I look like I'm here to help you? Dean says, I'm going to say no. Like, ah, just going out on a limb here. Yeah. <laughs> Rufus says, then get the hell off my property. Dean says, all right, hey, fair enough. I got one more question for you, though. See, I got this bottle of scotch, and uh, is this considered good? He shows Rufus the bottle, and Rufus smiles. Like, hey, buddy. Yeah, should have started with that, Dean. <laughs> so we cut to Rufus and Dean drinking. Dean says, bottoms up. Rufus says, you know, I don't even bother drinking unless it's this stuff. Nectar of the gods, I'm telling you. 
Jean says, it's a nice change, you know. Most of my whiskey is from a plastic jug. <laughs> so Bella was here because Rufus says she wanted to buy a couple of things, which is going to take me some time to round up. Dean says, so where is she now? Rufus says, can I ask you something? You got three weeks left. Why are you wasting your time chasing after that skinny, stuck-up English girl? Dean says, how do you know about that? Rufus says, because I know things. I know a lot of things about a lot of people. I know, ain't, I know, ain't no pea shooter's going to stay. Pea shooter? <laughs> sounded like I said pea, Peter. <laughs> Peter? <laughs> uh, okay. I know, ain't no pea shooter going to save you. He says, what makes you so sure? Rufus says, because that's the job, kid. Even if you manage to scrape out of this one, there's just going to be something else down the road. Folks like us, there ain't no happy ending. We all got it coming. Dean says, well, ain't you a bucket of sunshine? I mean, he really is. I know. He's just like the grumpiest. I love it. I know. Me too. I really do like Rufus. I love Rufus. Like, just, he's just. You know, no BS, calls it like he sees it, mm-hmm. even if it's just, and he's just like, what? Like, he has no shame. He's just like, you needed to hear we it until see, you heard it. <laughs> we see Rufus again a mm-hmm. couple more times, and yeah. and his camaraderie, like, relationship banter with Bobby mm-hmm. is hysterical. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so fun to meet Rufus here. And, like, Bobby always seems so flustered by it, too. I know. Like, because usually Bobby's pretty quick with the insults and stuff. Yeah, it's like Bobby's our grump, but then Rufus just takes just the cake. Like yeah, putting Bobby in his place. It's yeah. Great. <laughs> Rufus says, "I'm what you've got to look forward to if you survive, but you won't." Dean says, "So Bella." Rufus says, "Hotel Canaan, room thirty-nine, but watch your back." Dean says, "I think I can handle Bella." Rufus says, "Oh, don't be so sure about that. There are things that you don't know about her." Dean says, "Oh, and you do." Right, because you know things. And let me guess, you lifted her, you lift her fingerprint. <laughs> Rufus says, yep. Dean says, and that got you Jack. Rufus says, yep. <laughs> she burned them off, probably years ago. Dean says, yeah, so you're right where we are. Rufus says, nope. You do her ear. <clears throat> Dean says, hey, man, I'll try anything once, but I don't know. <laughs> that sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay. Like, uncomfortable for who, though? That's what Probably I... Probably both, both people I involved. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> uh, oh, this is the time of night, folks, that we just start to go downhill. <laughs> early for us it's, it's it just after midnight i'm surprised <laughs> usually we're like super slow on the uptake man like because yeah. we have to sit there and bs for forever not that we didn't do that but we were definitely more focused today so yeah it's probably all the coffee we had <laughs> hey, Starbucks. so rufus says ears are as unique to humans as fingerprints of course that don't fly in the courts over here but in england they're all over it a friend of a friend of a friend, faxed me 10 pages of confidential files within a day. All I had to do was send him one clean shot of the security camera. <laughs> I guess you could say she was within earshot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've been waiting to say that joke <laughs> ever since I wrote it down when I watched the episode. <laughs> wow. Just, you know, it was good. 
Edward Rochelle. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I need some water. <laughs> oh, within earshot, man. I'm so <laughs> proud of myself for that one, too. Like, I don't come up with stuff like that very frequently. So when I do, I'm like, I'm gonna live it up. You did good. <laughs> it's gonna be a thing. <laughs> Dean says, right, one clean shot of her ear. Rufus pulls out a file and gives it to Dean. Rufus says, the so-called Bella Talbot. Dean starts reading. We cut to Sam, who's checking out the old hunting cabins. In one, he finds an old leather journal and pockets it. He goes down into the cellar and finds the body of the dude who got his heart ripped out. He also comes across a woman who has maggots eating at her arm. Ugh. Sam goes to check her pulse and she wakes up. Sam shushes her and tells her that he's there to help her. He wraps a towel around her arm, but then Doc Benton comes home and is walking on the floorboards above them. Then he comes down the stairs into the cellar, but Sam has escaped with the woman through a broken window. Doc Benton knows someone has been there because uh, the window wasn't broken before. So we cut to Sam carrying the injured woman to his car. They both get inside, but then the dock breaks Sam's window. Sam gets his head slammed against the steering wheel a few times. Yeah, I know. But that's then, gotta be a headache. Oh, that looked awful. <laughs> um, he manages to back the car up, which throws the dock to the ground. Sam drives over the dock's body and then drives away. Then the, then the dock stands up and his head is crooked, so he snaps it back into place. He's like a roach. He just won't die. Yeah, and we can see that his eyes are looking pretty bad. He needs some new ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cut to Bella walking into her hotel room. Dean is there and shoves her up against the wall. He says, where's the cult? Bella says, Dean. Dean says, no extra words. She says, it's long gone across the world by now. Dean says, you're lying. She says, I'll call the buyer. Speak Farsi? Dean frisks her and she's like, what the hell are you doing? And he says, don't flatter yourself. (laughs) And pulls out her gun. He says, don't move. She says, I told you I don't have it. Dean says, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to take your word for it. He starts rummaging through her stuff while she inches away. Then he shoots the door right next to her head and says, don't move. She says, it's gone. Get on a plane if you must. Track down the buyer. You might catch him eventually. Dean points the gun at her head and she says, are you going to kill me? Dean says, oh yeah. She says, you're not the cold-blooded type. Dean says, you mean like you? That's true. See, I couldn't imagine killing my parents. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. Dean says, yes, you do. You were what, 14? Folks died in some shady car accident. Police suspected a slashed brake line, but it was all too crispy to tell. So we cut to... Oh, he says, cut to little Bella. Oh, sorry, Abby, inheriting millions. She says, how did you even... Dean says, doesn't matter. And we cut to a flashback of 14-year-old Bella crying in her room. A man, who I assume is her dad, walks in and closes the door behind him. And we cut back to real time. So... What do you get from that flashback? What does that say to you? To me, that means that he was probably abusing her in some form or another. That's what I thought, too. I'm sure that's exactly what we're supposed to think. Yeah. But, yeah, gross. Yeah. Gross, 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 gross. Ew. So we cut back to real time. Bella says, they were lovely people. I killed them, and I got rich, and I can't be bothered to give a damn. Just like I don't care what happens to you. Dean says, you make me sick. She says, likewise. He's about to shoot her when he notices some sticks and plant crap tied together above the door. (laughs) I didn't know what that was. (laughs) I called it dry out foliage. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Dean points the gun down at the floor and says, you're not worth it. Then he leaves. 
She looks at a crumpled up receipt that she lifted from Dean's pocket. It's a receipt from the motel Sam and Dean are staying at. She makes a phone call to someone and says, it worked. He found me. No, Sam, uh, Sam wasn't with him, but I know where they are. So we cut to Sam back in his motel room. Dean calls him. Sam says, did you get the cult? Dean says, what do you think? Sam says, so does that mean Bella is? Dean says, no, no, she deserves to die a dozen times over, but I couldn't do it. I'm really screwed, Sammy. But you were right. Bella was a goose chase. The cult's gone. And this time, I'm really screwed, Sam. Sam says, maybe not. Look, Dean, I found Benton's cabin. Dean says, you okay? Was he there? Did you kill him? Sam says, no. Dean says, what do you mean, no? Sam says, Dean, please just listen for a second. I found his lab book. It has the formula. Dean says, what, the live forever formula? Great, let me guess. I got to drink blood out of a baby's skull. Mm. Sam says, no, that's the thing. It's not black magic. There's no blood sacrifice or anything. It's just science, Dean. I love how that's like their level. There's no blood sacrifice or anything. That's their bar. (laughs) Right. Uh, He says, very extremely weird science. But Dean says, wait, what are you saying? Sam says, Dean, I think it might be doable. I mean, I know we've hit a lot of walls, but I think this formula, I think it might be it. This could save you. Well, I mean, look, we're not in the clear yet. There are still things that I don't get. And then suddenly Doc Benton is in there and chloroforms Sam. So he drops the phone and Dean can hear the struggle. I don't like it. So we cut to Sam laying on a table strapped down. His eyes have been taped open so he can't blink. Sketchy! Doc Benton, Benton, I keep saying Benton. Doc Benton says, hey, you can relax. It's going to be okay. Ain't nothing going to happen here that you got to worry about, Sammy. Your chances of coming out of this procedure alive are very, very high. Sure. Sam says, how do you know my name? Doc says, oh, I know. You think I'm some kind of monster, don't you? Well, I got to tell you, I have never done one thing that I did not have to do. This whole eternal life thing is very high maintenance. If someone goes, if something goes bad, like my eyes here, you got to replace them. And sometimes things get damaged, like when your father cut out my heart. Now, that was very inconvenient. So I'm sure that you can understand all the joy I felt when I read all about myself here in his journal. Then he flips through John's journal. The doc says, kind of makes this whole thing feel like some kind of family reunion, don't it? Well, I guess it's about time that we get things started. The doc takes... uh, the doc takes like the most fucked up looking ice cream scooper to it's a Sam's melon eyeball. Baller. It is a melon baller. You're right. <laughs> You're totally right. And he starts scooping it out. Like he gets oh, like half of it on. I hate the eyeball stuff. Yeah. I hate it. Like I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't watch it. Like, and I didn't, I start to see the eye bulge a little bit. I'm like, Ooh, you know, oh, like, no. Yeah. It looked real. Oh, it looked I know. like it was really happening. Yeah. And not only that, but like, do you really have nothing better to use than a melon baller? Like, I know. <laughs> you are a surgeon, sir. Like, this, ugh. You know, it like, was really gross. Why? A melon baller of all things? <laughs> God. And like, that's probably why his eyeballs are all jacked up because if you're melon scooping them out <laughs> with a melon baller, then that's not going to do you any favors. Oh, God. It was, it was hard to watch. Nasty. Um, <clears throat> so suddenly Dean is there. He shoots the doc a few times. The doc says, shoot all you want. So Dean shoots some more, but it has no effect. The doc throws Dean against the desk. Then Dean stabs the doc in the chest, and doc laughs and says, A knife? What part of immortality do you not understand? Pity about the heart, though. It was a brand new one. Dean says, Good. It should be pumping nice and strong, sending this stuff throughout your whole body. And Dean holds up a bottle of chloroform. He says, See, I picked up your little bottle upstairs and dipped the knife in it. 
the dock collapses. We cut to the dock, waking up strapped to one of his tables. Dean says, oh, hiya, doc. Wakey, wakey. Eggs and bakey. <laughs> the doc says, please. Dean says, please what? You've been killing poor bastards for over 150 years, and now you've got a request? Shut up. The doc says, no, you don't understand. I can help you. I know what you need. Dean says, we might have to cut him up into little bits. You know, this immortality thing is a bitch. The doc says, I can read the formula for you. The whole immortality. Forever young. Never die. Sam says, Dean. Sam and Dean go into another area to talk privately. Sam says, I mean, we're talking hell in three weeks or needing a new pancreas in like half a century. Dean says, yeah, well, you can't exactly get these, get those at the quickie mart. Sam says, it's not perfect, but it buys us some more time to think of something better. We just need time, Dean. I mean, please just think about it. Dean says, no. Sam says, Dean, don't you want to live? Dean says, what he is isn't living. Look, this is simple. To me, it is, okay? Black or white, human, not human. See, what the duck is is a freaky monster. I can't do it. I'd rather go to hell. They go back over to the doc who says, you don't understand. I can help you. Dean puts a rag with chloroform over the doc's face and says to Sam, now I'm going to take care of him. You can help me or not. It's up to you. We cut to Doc Benton striking a match. He's laying down inside an old freezer. We see that the freezer is chained shut and in a hole in the ground. His journal is on top of the freezer. He starts screaming, no, I can help you. Dean says, enjoy forever in there, Doc. And they start shoveling dirt on top. Uh, that is pretty dark. What a terrible... I didn't think it was, like, dark necessarily, but, like, what a terrible way to, like, exist. Just exactly. Just I, I thought it was, was a pretty dark thing. They didn't kill any monster. Yeah. They literally just... Tortured him forever. Doomed, doomed him to live forever mm-hmm. in this thing. I just... That's... I feel like, though, at a certain point... Because he can't be killed. Right. However, if he's not getting body parts to replace the ones that are dying, mm-hmm. eventually everything would just die. He won't die, though. Well, but that's the thing. It's like, well, then why would he have to replace things if he, if they weren't dying? For things to work, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I don't know. To me, like, it seems to me that if he was in there for long enough without access to any spare parts, mm-hmm. that he would eventually, like, not die, per se, but just, like just disintegrate you know that's pretty optimistic i think i went i went way darker with it yeah Yeah. i don't know yeah i don't know Uh, either way it's not good (laughs) so we cut to the boys motel room bella uses a key to let herself in she has a gun in her hand she shoots the two people in the beds then she turns the lights on and pulls the covers off the bodies it's two blow-up dolls instead of the boys. Yay! Which is a good thing. <laughs> she just walked right in there and shot them. Like, not even a care in the world. Exactly. I was yeah. pretty upset to see that. Yeah. You, know, you still want to have Bella redeemable at this point, even though yeah. she's done so many fucked up things. Yeah. And right there, you know, like, she she would have literally just killed the boys. Yeah. And been fine with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. the phone rings and she answers. And Dean says, hiya, Bella. Here's the fun fact you may not know. I felt your hand in my pocket when you swiped that motel receipt. She says, you don't understand. Dean says, oh, I'm pretty sure I understand perfectly. Mm. You see, I noticed something interesting in your hotel room, something tucked above your door. An herb, devil's shoestring. Well, there's only one use for that, holding hellhounds at bay. So you know what I did? I went back and I took another look at your folks' obit. Turns out they died 10 years ago today. You didn't kill them. A demon did your dirty work. 
You made a deal, didn't you, Bella? It's come due. So we cut to a flashback of 14-year-old Bella. She's swinging on a swing set, and there's a younger girl on the swings next to her. On the swing next to her. <laughs> the little girl says, I can take care of them for you, and it won't even cost you anything for 10 whole years. Then her eyes go demon red. We cut to present day. Dean says, is that why you stole the cult? To try and wiggle out of your deal? Bella says, yes. Dean says, our gun for your soul. But stealing the cult wasn't quite enough. I'm guessing. She says, they changed the deal. They wanted me to kill Sam. Dean says, really? Wow. Demons untrustworthy. Shocker. <laughs> That's kind of a tight deadline, too. What time is it? Oh, look at that. Almost midnight. She says, Dean, listen, I need help. She starts crying. Dean says, sweetheart, we are weeks past help. She says, I know I don't deserve it. Dean says, you know what? You're right. You don't. But you know what the bitch of the bunch is? If you would have just come to us sooner and asked for help, we probably could have taken the cult and saved you. She says, I know, and saved yourself. I know about your deal, Dean. Dean asks, and who told you that? She says, the demon that holds it. She holds mine, too. She says she holds every deal. Dean says, she? Bella says, her name is Lilith. Dean says, why should I believe you? Bella says, you shouldn't, but it's the truth. Dean says, this can't help you. Bella, not now. Why are you telling me this? Bella says, because just maybe you can kill the bitch. Dean says, I'll see you in hell. And then he hangs up. We hear some dogs barking in the distance. The clock turns to midnight and Bella is still crying. We hear some hellhounds snarling. And Bella looks out the window and the screen goes black. And credits. Not gonna lie, I slightly feel bad for her. Not really because she totally got what she deserved. Yes, that However, is exactly what she deserved. But you yeah. do feel bad for her. Yeah. Also, I just, well, I guess this is my favorite moment, so I'll wait. Oh, okay. Until we get back. <laughs> well, I have a lot of thoughts on okay, this episode. Good. So first, well, not really a thought, but I just think it's hilarious how much Dean loves zombies. Oh, I know. Like, I never he- really got that vibe from him in that one episode. Um, haven't we just had one zombie episode and where the girl, do you remember? No. It's like uh, later children, on or no, no, no. It's oh. like children shouldn't play with dead things or something. It's, it's the one where that girl gets brought back by her friend, her like, uh, friend, not friends with benefits, her friend zoned guy. He brings her back to life and she's like, he's like making out with her all over the place and she starts killing people. It's like in the first in, season. I don't remember that. Anyways, that's like the closest we've come yeah. to a zombie. Yeah. There's, that reminds me of an episode that just happened in, was that in 14? I don't remember. I think it was in season 14 with the one with the library. I don't remember. Oh, well. I believe you. I just don't remember. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to say it not on the. Okay. <laughs> on the podcast. I don't want to give anything away, but, um. Also, like, this guy who's out, like, you know, the, the, is it the first one? Yeah, the first one that Benton nabs. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you be running outside by yourself at night? Like, a lot of people asking, do. It's such a bad decision, but a lot a of people idea. do. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, I mean, most people think, oh, well, girls shouldn't be outside at night by themselves. Well, also, nobody should be outside by themselves at night because there's always going to be somebody that's bigger and badder than you are. And if Mm -hmm. they have the element of surprise, they can take you down. Right. Like, ah. Yeah, I agree. Terrible idea. I don't understand. 
And also, he would so pass out after his rib cage got opened. He would oh. not still be awake for that. Yeah, I noticed that too. There, it's yeah. just like he wouldn't still be screaming. He was screaming and looking down. There's no way. No, mm. you would. You'd crack. Like even just like cutting it, getting cut into you, you might pass out. That yeah. probably that might not hurt bad enough to pass out. But like once he starts like cutting his rib cage, cutting it, the rib ca- the cartilage then, on the rib yeah. cage to like yeah no you'd you'd be gone mm-hmm. and you might like wake up and then pass back out and wake up and pass back mm-hmm. out but yeah no you would not be awake for a lot of that i feel like i hope so not that i anticipate that ever happening to me but you just <laughs> never know yeah you never know and i hope that it doesn't ever happen yeah. to Ugh. anybody i mean obviously open heart surgery is a thing but yeah. you know what's gonna happen at that point right you know? exactly and you're not awake it's like ew. um also at Rufus's house, I thought it was kind of funny. Like, you see such this, like, high-tech camera. Well, at the time, still yeah. kind of high-tech camera on this, like, dumpy-looking house, right? It's right. like, this just doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. Somebody's paranoid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, given the job, it's not a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. Be paranoid, you know? Um, also, I love that, how, like, how Rufus can just be bought with alcohol. And it, like, completely changes his personality, right? I He's know. just like... And then all of a sudden, alcohol. Oh, hey, buddy, my friend. Come on in here and drink with me. Yeah, like, this will be great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Also, the car that Sam is driving in this episode, did he steal it or did he, like, rent it or something? I think it's a rental. Oh, I guess they don't say that. In the episode before, he rents a car. But, yeah, I think it could be either. He could rent it or steal it. Because I feel like a lot of times they, I mean, that's I think the, in later seasons they show them actually stealing cars or talk yeah. about stealing cars, but they yeah. don't really say in these ones. Yeah, it's interesting because I think later on they do say that like, oh yeah, we steal cars or whatever, but they don't yeah. really like explain it like in these early episodes, like if they had stolen it or rented it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's quicker just to steal a car, so yeah, maybe if you need to get somewhere time. fast, yeah. You know? And not that they like they have the knowledge totally to like hotwire a car. Oh and yeah, all that sort of stuff so. Um, also, what do you think that Benton took off of that girl's arm? Like, was it just skin? Yeah, I think it must be just skin. I was thinking about that, too. Like, what was the like point of that? It didn't seem like there was, like, a divot or anything. Yeah. Nothing was missing. I was like, what's the point of that? But then you see his face is, like, patchwork together. So yeah. probably his whole body is like that. Yeah. So he probably just needed a flap of skin. But, like, I don't know. That seems just kind of weird to me. Yeah, it was a little bit weird. a random patch on an arm somewhere. Why couldn't he take it from the runner guy's arm? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? It's like, can you only get one part per person? No, yeah, I don't know. The one and done. Why didn't he take that guy's eyes? Like, who knows? Mm -hmm. Like, listen, if you're going to kill somebody, take all the parts Mm -hmm. that you need. Right. You know, like, why not? Yeah. I would. Maybe that's part of the whole formula is that they have to, like, have one thing, like, that One could thing be per person or something. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. Yeah, that could be. That, but yeah, Eek. yuck. Also, Bella does not seem like an Abby to me. No, I not at all. I can't get behind. Abby. I mean, I could see her as an Abigail. Maybe I can see Abigail. I mean, maybe she's Abby's an Abigail. just short for Abigail. Could you get Bella out of Abigail? No, not really. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not at all. Nope. If you, like, really messed with it. Nah, no. Nope. <laughs> um, also, so I think they say that she was 
14 when she made her deal, right? Right. So she's only 24. She's only 24, yeah. She looks older than that, but she she doesn't, I would say like 30 maybe. Yeah. I mean, the actress, you know, who, whatever. Right, right. But, yeah. I mean, not that she looks old by any stretch of the imagination, but she just looks like she'd at least be in her late 20s. Yeah, agreed. You know. I thought about that too. I was like, she does not look 24. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, but it was it was very odd. But what was your favorite moment from this episode? My favorite moment, besides the eyeball scoop, Ugh, I'm just joking. Was your, it was not my favorite <laughs> moment. But that that scene, visually, like has stuck with me since I first watched it. The eyeball thing. Yeah. Oh I, yeah, for sure. Me I, too. I don't know. Like, I remembered it. It's weird how often I think about it. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah, I've thought about it more than once. Yeah, I don't think about it daily or anything, but yeah. I probably think about it like monthly. It comes into mind. Oh, see, I don't, I don't get it that frequently, but whenever I think of like weird eyeball stuff, I always think of that. Yeah. Ugh. Like if something so, freaks me out about an eyeball, I will think of that scene. Yeah. My favorite scene, my favorite moment was when Dean tells Bella, I'll see you in hell. Yeah. Because he's not being snarky or yeah mean. he's like legit he's, he's like, like literally I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna see you there yeah bye yeah what was your favorite moment um i think probably my favorite moment was like the complete 180 that rufus did when um dean was like so this alcohol he's like hey buddy yeah <laughs> like, we're best friends it's great yeah that's pretty I good think, i think that's pretty much my only uh, also, when Dean was eating his burger and he was like, oh, baby, I can't stay mad at yeah, you. Yeah, like, that was really cute. It was I like cute. that. <laughs> I, I like liked that. it. Um, our interesting facts for this episode. Uh, Terrence Kelly, who plays the morgue doctor, played Daniel Elkins on season one episode Dead Man's Blood. Oh, yeah. So Daniel Elkins was the guy who had the cult. And the vampires broke in, and the girl vampire stole it. Oh. I don't... I mean, I remember... I I can't picture faces, but I do remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Um, Sam tells Dean, fine, then whatever the magic pill is, I'll take it too. To which Dean replies, what is this, Sid and Nancy? He's referring to Sid Vicious, singer and bassist for the punk rock band The Sex Pistols, um, and his drug-addled, destructive relationship with his girlfriend, Nancy Spungen? Spungen? It looks right. I've never, I mean, I've heard of the band. Right. But none of either of the other two. Yeah. Um, Time is on my side is a song by the Rolling Stones. I was singing it right before I was like, <sighs> every time I see Time is on my side, this title, I like automatically the song pops in my head. Right, I know it. Um, when Dean finds out that the fingerprints on the first victim are all of a man who has been dead several years, he asks Sam, what are we dealing with? Walking dead? He's making a reference not to the popular TV series as the series didn't debut didn't debut until 2010, more than two years after this episode even aired. Um, Dean is in fact referencing the comic book source material of the same name, which has been in publication since October 2003. Yep. Um, Jared Padalecki, Jensen Ackles, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan have all been fans of the comic since it first began. 
Coincidentally, Lauren Cohen, um, who plays Bella, um, has gone on to play the lead role of Maggie Green on The Walking Dead, uh, the TV series since season two. And as of the end of season five in early 2016, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has played the role of the infamous villain Negan, um, a role he was thrilled to get as a fan of the comic. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was in, like, the whole thing, not just starting in season five. Oh, no, no, very huh. recent, last couple of years. Oh. Because for, for some reason in my mind, with the weird timeline I have in my head, I was like, oh, you know, he's not on Supernatural anymore, so that's exactly when he started. No, not at all. Like, you yeah. know, like, to me, that's kind of was one of those, like, hmm. Which, I mean, it doesn't, it would make sense in the fact of, like, if they wrote him off of Supernatural because of that, mm-hmm. but... I mean, people get written off of shows all the time without, you know, having other jobs. It just was one of those, like, for some reason in my head, that's how it worked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally not. I don't know. (laughs) 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 Eh, Whatever. Um, When Sam tells Dean that the first victim's body was covered in someone else's bloody fingerprints, Dean says, okay, great. My man Dave Caruso will be stoked to hear it. Um, he is referring to the actor who is best known for his roles in the TV crime dramas NYPD Blue and CSI Miami. Mm, I didn't That's know he was the, on NYPD Blue, although I never watched that. So That was the red-haired guy you were telling me about? Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. Um, where am I? Oh, Billy Drago also appeared in the X-Files Season 7 Thief, spelled T-H-E-E-F. Mm-hmm. Um, the shows are often said to be similar, and other actors from the X-Files have made appearances in previous episodes. Um, this is the final appearance of Lauren Cohen as Bella Talbot. Uh, near the end of the episode, Dean mentions zombies and The Walking Dead. Lauren Cohen, who plays Bella Talbot in this episode, would go on to play Maggie Green, um, oh, which they repeat. already yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> Bella Talbot's name is a combination of Bella Lugosi, the actor who played the original Dracula, and Lawrence Talbot, the original Wolfman character. Oh, cool. Um, in this episode, she is said to have used the alias Mina, uh, or Mina? Mina. Mina? Yeah. Uh, Mina is the name of one of the main characters of Dracula, keeping up with Bella's uh, habit of using horror movie icons as aliases. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't catch on to, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Jared Padalecki and Stephen Williams have both appeared in the Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, Jared in the 2009 remake and Stephen in the 1993's um, Jason Goes to Hell. Mm-hmm. Why is that related to the episode? I think just both of the actors in this episode they're, oh. are saying have been in that franchise. Eh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was just like, I don't get it. No, it's okay. Um, the Frankenstein hunt takes place in Pennsylvania. This is possibly a reference to Transylvania, where all the movie versions of Frankenstein take place. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. This is just the... So... This one's long. Basically, it gives you, uh, so it says, towards the beginning of the episode, after Sam and Dean interrogate the demon to find out who holds Dean's contract, Sam recites an exorcism that goes like this, and then it has all the Latin, which I'm going to totally butcher, so I'm not going to say it. Um, (laughs) um, And it says, this is Latin, and it translates to, we exorcise you, very impure spirit, every incursion of the infernal adversary, every legion, every congregation, and diabolical sect. Wow. Okay. That's cool. I wonder, like, where they come up with these, like, if they just kind of write them and, like, translate them to Latin or something like mm-hmm. that, or if they, you know... Or maybe they're real up. exorcisms. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, usually... So, I think we talked about this before, 
in one of the previous episodes, like, um, the Catholics are the only ones that do the exorcisms. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm guessing that if they, you know, asked some, I don't know. Whatever, but you I mean, probably just find it online. Some, yeah, there's got to be some way to like. There's got to be some way to look all that up. I'm sure. Yeah, without having to like, hey priest, can we talk to you real quick? I know. Like, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. Um, our research for this week is on Doc Benton. Um, this is on scary for ki- ki- scaryforkids.com. Um, and it's like campfire stories and this one's called Elixir of Life. Cool. Um, so it says the Elixir of Life is a scary story about the legend of Doc Benton and his scientific search for a way to live forever and who wouldn't want to live forever. Um, in New Hampshire for nearly 200 years, a strangely agile black caped figure with long white hair has been spotted occasionally around Mount, oh, Musilak. Okay. We'll go with it in the White Mountains. Um, most people agree it is all that remains of Dr. Thomas Benton. Um, Doc Benton was born in New Hampshire in the middle of the 18th century. He was a bright student, but his family was poor. In need of a doctor, the town raised money to send him to medical school in Germany on the condition that he would return when he was finished. At medical school, Doc Benton was taught by Professor Stockmeyer, um, an eccentric German doctor who is searching for the secret to eternal life. Dr. Stockmeyer became a kind of mentor to Benton, leaving Benton all, leaving Benton an old trunk full of his discoveries and his instruments after his death. When Benton was done with school, he followed through on his promise to return to his hometown. But when Doc Benton arrived in New Hampshire, he was horrified to discover that his parents had died while he was away studying. The shock of his parents' death changed the young doctor. He began to behave in a bizarre manner and refused to speak to any of the townspeople. It transformed him into a hermit. He lost all interest in his medical practice and took to the woods where he set up a laboratory in a, desert, in a deserted shack. I feel like I'm super tongue-tied right now. <laughs> That's okay. Um, there he opened a trunk that had been... There he opened, I'm guessing, the trunk that had been given to him by Professor Stockmeyer, um, one of his teachers at the German Medical School. In life, Professor Stockmeyer had been stu- had been shunned by his colleagues because of his research into the p- forbidden secrets of eternal youth. Now, Doc Benton shunned his community to continue those same unholy experiments. Living like a hermit, he only made occasional forays into town for supplies. Eventually, a series of animal deaths startled the residents in the area. A cow was discovered dead in a barn. Lifeless horses were found in their stalls. Bloated sheep dotted the great the green the greek the green hillside like balls of snow that's okay what a pretty picture there seemed to be no reason for these mysterious deaths but there was one strange detail that linked them all each animal had a fresh wound left or behind its left ear a red swelling with a white pinprick in the center hmm MRSA? right yeah a zit they died from a pimple i don't know It wasn't long before people began suffering a similar fate. First, a corpse vanished from First, a corpse vanished from the back of an undertaker's wagon. When it was later discovered discarded in some bushes near Warren, there was a second corpse beside it. Each had a wound behind its left ear. Gossip began to spread around the town and some people were pointing their finger pointing pointing their fingers. <laughs> Gosh. Pointing their fingers at Doc Benton. <laughs> a small group of citizens ventured up to Doc Benton's cabin to see if he knew anything about the discarded bodies, but they found his cabin abandoned. 
had he gone missing too. A search party combined, or co- gosh, combined the hillside, combed the hillside, but they could find no trace of him. He seemed to have vanished. He seemed to have, yeah, okay, that, I'm, for some reason, I'm just struggling. Okay. <laughs> um, however, in it's the month, yeah. <laughs> However, in the months that followed, hunters and hikers claimed that they had seen him in some wooded part of the 30-square-mile Moosa Lake area. Moosa Lock? Moosa Lake? Nah. Um, He was always said to be wearing a black cape, moving rapidly with long, white flowing hair out behind him. In November 1825, a Benton woman heard her daughter scream. Um, She looked up from her laundry to see a black-caped figure carrying her little girl into the woods. The woman's husband rushed off in pursuit and his neighbors joined the chase they followed the footprints to little tunnel ravine a box canyon from which there could be no escape yet weirdly the footprints ended abruptly suddenly the bewildered men heard laughter echoing around the rocks it seemed to be coming from overhead looking up they recognized the dark decaying figure of doc benton he was standing on an outcropping holding the struggling girl when the father begged the cloaked figure to return his daughter doc benton happily obliged he hurled the screaming child off the cliff, and the men watched in horror as she fell to her death on the canyon floor. Ugh, that's awful. Four? Floor. That's horrible. Like, jeez. Um, sightings of the demonic doctor continued for years afterwards. In 1860, two loggers vanished from the mountaintop. One was found dead, bearing the odd wound behind his ear, and the other was never found. In 1901, Mr. Tommaso, a brakeman on a logging railroad, was found dead beside the track. He hadn't fallen from the train. The only mark on him was that peculiar pe- peculiar wound behind his left ear. Hmm. Yeesh, that's a weird word to say, too. Look at that. <laughs> um, in recent years, hikers on the Moose Lake, Moose Lock slopes have continued to report seeing a mysterious caped figure in the woods. Is it Doc Benton? One person catches a glimpse of this... One person, I'm guessing, caught a glimpse of his skeletal face disappearing behind a tree. Others spot a wrinkled hand or pant leg moving quickly out of sight. Ew. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't like it. Wow. In the 1970s, a Dartmouth student took a solo hike in Jobadunk Ravine. What are all these names? <laughs> They're so hard. Um, when he didn't return, searchers went out. They found him easily enough, but he was in a bad way, wandering aimlessly with a glazed look on his face. His friends realized he was in shock. Rescuers transported him to the hospital in Hanover. Though he recovered from the cuts, bruises, and a fractured skull, he was curiously vague about what had happened to him. Eventually, the story came out. He told one of his friends that while he was climbing on a ledge, a hand shot out through an opening in the rocks and shoved him. Yee. Um, That's scary. Yeah. (laughs) In 2002, another student had a near run-in with a doctor. On a solo hike close to the summit of... Musilock. Um, he found the print of an old style boot in the mud of an unused trail. It was in a place where there had been no tracks 15 minutes earlier. Many people believe that Doc Benton, or whatever he has become, still stalks the slopes of New Hampshire's Mount Musilock. Pets, livestock, and people still disappear on the mountain's rocky slopes. But they say Doc Benton isn't looking for the secret of eternal life anymore. He's already found that. Nowadays, they say he's just looking for ways to die. Or a way to die. Wow. You know, I had never heard of him before. I hadn't either. That's so interesting. Like, not that this would come up in Girl Scouts, but, I mean, you have campfire stories Mm -hmm. and, like, 
not usually super scary ones. Because, listen, the counselors, let's be real, they're smart. They're not going to be like, let's freak them out and send them off to bed. Because exactly. they're never going to go to bed and we're never going to sleep. You right, know? right. So we didn't really get too many of, like, the scary stories. It was more of just usually stories about <laughs> Girl Scouts, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. This person did the Juliet Lowe. I but. I've always thought that I knew most urban legends, so this yeah. is it's cool to find a new one. Yeah, I I mean I would not say that I know very many urban legends. Like mm-hmm. I have heard of more than what I think mm-hmm. I know sometimes, but I don't know anything about them. It's just like oh I know that name or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this one, I mean, other than from this episode, I haven't heard of yeah before at all. Yeah, so. That's a fun one. Um, so what was your idiot or ass put moment for this week? Okay, listen. <laughs> On the West Coast, there have been quite a few earthquakes lately. And I know that there is many earthquakes daily then very low on the what is it the Richter scale the Richter scale yeah mm-hmm. you know like 1.1s and you know all the way up to like 2. Yeah. You know, I know that there are hundreds a day. Like I totally get that. But, um, gosh, a couple weeks ago, I read a news article with someone predicting that that um, Washington, the state of Washington, would get their, you know, expected huge earthquake sometime in July or August, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just been kind of on my mind. Yeah. And then there was that earthquake um, in California. There was mm-hmm. one in Vancouver, Canada. Yeah, I was going to say Vancouver and then, Ca- or Victoria mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and then Washington has had two. One of them was like a five-point something, and one of them was like a three-point something. Yeah. Just in, the <laughs> la- just in the last week. Yeah. And so it's been on my mind a lot lately. Um, and I learned in god like junior high science that Mm -hmm. if the big earthquake happens it's supposed to trigger mount rainier exploding and then all of the valley will be covered and wiped out pretty much yeah from buried under the lahar Mm -hmm. so um so i had a dream last night (laughs) (laughs) that i was going to work but my worked at the um i worked at the columbia river or the the gorge Mm -hmm. um and so when I parked at my work, it was just in like the Gorge Amphitheater parking lot, so it was just like literally grass fields. Yeah. And um, and the person who was showing me where to park was my grandpa, Grandpa Lee, who has been dead for very many years. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't surprised to see him or anything. It was just like, oh hey, Gramps, what's up? Yeah. And he was showing me the way to get out of there when the earthquake happened. He mm-hmm. said, "There's going to be an earthquake, and this is the way you're going to drive out of here." Yeah. And then I woke up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, there's going to be an earthquake today. <laughs> We're all going to die. Jesus yeah. Christ. And I had to go to work after the day, and I work down in the valley in Tequila. Mm-hmm. So I was like, great, there's going to be an earthquake. And then, like, there's going to be a lahar because the mountain's going to explode, and I'm going to have to convince my manager to let me leave so I can drive up the hill. Or you just leave. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, yeah, I probably would just leave. Mm-hmm. But it just freaked me right out, and yeah. I just spent my whole time at work just, like, jittery and Ew. worried about it. And it's a stupid mm. thing, but I don't know. I just, it just, I don't know. It was a very vivid dream, and I just woke up feeling totally convinced that we were going to have an earthquake. So I just freaked myself out. So that was, I was just being an idiot. Just an idiot. <laughs> it's fine. There hasn't been another earthquake. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I tend to try not think about Mount Rainier too much because the more I think about it, the more stressed out I get and the mm-hmm. more anxious I get. Because, I mean, really, that's one of those things that it's like, 
it's completely out of your control, mm-hmm. right? Like, there is nothing that you could do to stop it or start it or whatever, you know? Right. So, like, the more I think about it, I just kind of, like, go crazy with it because I'm like, mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do, and then this will happen, and this can happen, and this can happen, and then there's nothing you can do, you know? Right. So I just try to not even think about it at all. So then that mm-hmm. way I don't go yeah. crazy with I'm not as nervous about the mountain exploding just because like if the mountain's going to explode we'll have lots of warning unless it's triggered by the earthquake yeah but having a big earthquake in itself is a warning that the mountain will explode yeah you know Mm -hmm. so and and honestly if you're unless you're in the valley you're going to be fine yeah there's going to be ash in the air but that's not going to kill you no but the lahar the lahar is the problem it could be bad though especially like for me the only thing I worry about, and I don't know if the ash would make it all... I mean, I'm sure it'd probably make it to, like, you know, down south where I am. Oh, yeah. But for me, I more worry about, like, you know, the horses at the barn. Like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? They have yeah. to be outside. They're, and, I mean, they're in a barn, but mm-hmm. it's not, like, completely closed off. Like, there will be ash everywhere. They should be okay unless they have breathing problems. I mean... Well, the, but they're breathing all that in, though. Well, what happened when Mount St. Helens blew up? Did a bunch know. of animals die? I have no I idea. don't think so. Well, but a lot of them, I mean, at least wildlife and stuff, they evacuate because they know. Mm-hmm. So, right. But I, don't but, know I mean, about we had ash here yeah. when Mount St. Helens erupted. I have no idea. So. That's the only thing I really worry about. I'm like, do I need to figure out how to fashion a bandana over Toby's nose? Yeah. You know, like, I know. For days or whatever. I would be worried. I would be worried about the animals, too. I get it. Yeah. So, but anyway. That's my thing. What was your Asian harassment moment? So, my Asian harassment moment did not happen recently, but it was brought or it made I was I thought about it recently because I am currently staying at my aunt and uncle's house mm-hmm. and I had quite an idiot moment <laughs> when I, I don't even know how long ago this was but so my aunt and uncle and I, they still have this thing they have this little like tea light holder that's just like a long row of them there's probably like I don't know six to eight of them in there mm-hmm. and at one point, you know, all of them were lit, and it was like family was over. Some I don't even remember, but we were over at their house for some reason, and my aunt's like, "Oh, I need to blow out the candles." Or is like, "Oh, I'll do it." And me thinking like, "There's a lot of candles to blow out." I take this huge breath of air because apparently I'm gonna need all the powerful, you know, forces of the wind <laughs> to yeah. blow out these little tiny tea light candles, <laughs> and I just like blow as hard as I can across these candles and wax goes everywhere. Oh no. Because like listen, tea lights, they don't take too long to melt down. Right. And they were like completely liquid because they'd been burning for a while. So I blow out these candles successfully, but then also successfully blow wax everywhere. It was like in my hair. Like it had there was backsplash. It was like in my hair. Oh, oh on my I got it in my eyes and I'm like trying to <laughs> pick out pieces of wax oh, in my eyeballs so and gross. it was like all over my face, my hair, everything and it was all over the tablecloth and like I think some of I don't know if any of it made it past like just the table and me. Yeah. But like it was dumb and I still to this day get making fun of sometimes. For <laughs> You're like, yeah, remember the time you blew out those tea lights? Like, shut up. That <laughs> like, sucks. Yeah, I'm going to tell me about it over and over again. Come on. Like, because oh. I was just, too much force was used. <laughs> I can't believe just you got it in much. your eyes. That makes my eyes water. Oh, and I was old enough to know better. That's the thing. And yeah. like, if I would have thought about it and not just been like, okay, you know, like, 
I mean, you don't need much force. Mm -hmm. You really don't for a teeny tiny little flame that big. Like, no. Mm -mm. That's amazing. So that's my Egypt moment. And it wasn't recent, but it, you know, it was reminded to me. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. You were reminded. I was reminded of it. What's the word I'm looking for? It was reminded to me. What would be, what would replace reminded? It was... I've got nothing right now. I literally have an empty head right now. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. I really struggled with this. We normally record one episode uh, during a hangout just because we normally start so late. Lately, anyways. Yeah, and we've been needing to do at least two or more. (laughs) Because we are starting to fall behind. Yeah, and so this is our second one, and boy, we are (laughs) tired. It's going rough. I mean, listen, that whole Doc Benton story, that should have been easy to read. Thank you very much. How many times do I struggle? There should be a tally. It's okay. It's totally fine. It's bad. You should totally, you guys should email us if you know about Doc Benton and, like, tell us something. Yeah, what have you heard about? We have no idea about any of this. Like, if you're from... I mean, I know we have some listeners from Germany. So, like, if you're from this area and have heard of this, maybe that's why we haven't heard of it. Cause I thought it said New Hampshire. Well, New Hampshire, yeah. But when, I guess, like, he went to, it said he went to school in Germany. Oh, okay. And then came back. So, I mean, I guess he wouldn't, I, yeah, I guess it probably wouldn't be so popular in Germany. But if you, you have heard of it. Yeah, you know, I would love to know about let it. Let us know. Our, our email, by the way, is idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. Definitely email us because I've yeah. never heard of this before. Yeah, I haven't either. And it's kind of surprising considering all the time I've spent telling campfire stories all growing up. Yeah. And yeah. like hearing scary stories from, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of baffling to me. But I kind of want to know more. Yeah. I also like that they did an urban legend so late in the game because it was mostly urban legends in the first season. Not so much in the second season. And now we're at the end of the third season here, Mm -hmm. and they've done another one. Yeah. I think that's why I never made the connection that it wasn't urban legend. Yeah. Because we're not, Supernatural isn't really doing that this late. Yeah, they didn't say it. Usually they say this, oh, this urban legend or whatever. Right, right. Or like this creature or whatever, which Mm -hmm. I guess they kind of do with him, but not really. He's not a creature. He's just a person that is swapping body parts. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Uh, like I said, you can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. Or visit our Facebook page, Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.